Hello, welcome to Three Ain't a Crowd, the podcast exploring the connection between creativity, mental health and social change. My name is Vanda and I am an artist and researcher. Each episode I'm joined by someone creative to get their perspective on both their medium and purpose. To give a little bit of context for how I came across today's guest, now this must have been pre-COVID and I was living in a really small town in Italy and I was desperate for music. Having spent all of my adult life in East London, I was never more than you know 45 minutes away from a cipher or a drum and bass night. 45 seems very specific, but more or less that's the rule of thumb in London. So I've been trying to find a night, but I also really wanted to meet other artists in the area. So I ended up speaking to a promoter in Rome who I think must have clocked that I'm half Italian, half British and recommended an artist called Blackson. At this point, I didn't really have any expectations about what genre he would be, but I kind of assumed he would be hip hop just because we were outside of the UK. But to my excitement, I discovered that Blackson raps in Italian, but is clearly grime. Blackson grew up in Italy, but lived in the UK. He has won multiple freestyle ciphers, including ranking in some of the most prestigious contests in Italy. Prestigious? Prestigious. He was part of Italy's Got Talent in 2013 and the third edition of MTV Spit, hosted by Italian rap phenomenon Marrakesh. We stayed somewhat in touch over the last couple of years and I'm always really excited when he releases something new. But I do also know that he's been doing some work around black representation in the Italian music industry. So I'm really keen to hear his thoughts. So benvenuto, welcome Blackson. And before we get started, here's a little flavor of some of Blackson's sound. Grime Italiano. Hey. question that I wanted to know about or to contextualize is whether there's a backstory to your stage name Blackson and how that came to be. Yeah there's definitely a, um, like a story behind it. So I go by the name of Emmanuel Simpson and you know Italians the way we do we like to cut short into, into names. So for example like if if I have a friend called Valentina, probably either we call her Vale or Tina. So basically, long story short, um, at the beginning, they used to call me Simpson by my surname. But then the surname was too long. So they needed to cut a shot again. And they started to call me Son. Uh, until uh, I decided to uh, do rap. So when I decided to do rap, I was looking around me and there weren't too many uh, Italian black Italian rappers in the scene. So I was like, oh, okay. So there's no black people. So probably 
uh, I should be one of the main black people doing music. So I decided to call myself Black Sun. That means Fionero. So I thought I am the Black Sun of the Italian rap scene. Why, why not keep Fionero and change it into the English? Because Fionero was too long, first of all. Mm. And then because at the time I feel more connected to the American culture. Like I, it was to differentiate myself from the rest of the scene. So I was like, yeah, I want to be one of them, them people that is actually using an American name, even though he's doing rap in Italian, in Italy. Mm. And for and a it, while it was, it made, it made sense though, yeah. It, it's interesting as well, so I've, I've already mentioned this to you, um, but this kind of, this, idea of being son rather than father and one of the things I've been thinking about is the the history of rap and how there is a history and how protective people can be around particular genres or its geographic origin so I'm kind of curious as an Italian using grime which stems from the UK how you even got involved in grime okay so let's start from the beginning Let's say that before actually getting involved into crime, my background was more into the hip hop scene back in Italy. So let's say that I grew up with hip hop. But funny enough, before starting to rap, when I was uh, 11, I remember that my dad, um, he used to have like these decoders uh, connected to the satellite where like you could actually, you know, see channels from different parts of, of the world. So I remember that, we could we could watch like Sky Sky News for example, but at the same time I could watch Channel U. <laughs> so, funny enough, when I was like eleven, I was one of the probably one of the only Italians in Italy watching Channel U, uh, watching Rodiv when I'm here, watching Skepta, Future End Ups, and like stuff like that without even noticing and like without even recognizing what actually it was until I moved to the UK in 2015. When I moved in the UK 2015 after, you know, building up a name and a buzz about myself as a rapper in Italy, I was like, oh, okay. I was connecting the dots and be like, oh, so Rodeep, is Wiley's old crew okay? So Wiley's the Godfather. I tried to connect in, connect in the dots and doing my homework. I decided to embrace the culture and be like, you know what? I should try to do this stuff as well in Italian because I look around. There's loads of Italians here, but none of them are actually doing it. And I do like I do like you know this genre. So why not doing it? So yeah, that's why I came about. Um, I've got a, a sidebar question because it just come to my mind. Do you remember, I don't know if I completely made this up, but in my head, I remember getting some kind of like roll deep, I think it was like a DVD and it must have been, I don't know, an album, but it was really weird and I can't remember what it was, but there was something about this DVD slash CD. Maybe it was just the album, I don't know. Well, I heard about the DVD, but like the DVDs that I heard the most was um, the Risky Rose ones. Mm. It was actually the cassettes and then they became DVDs. I feel like I had a, a strange one, but it was there was something about this DVD as well. Remember on Channel U, like after 10, it would basically be yeah. Snoop Dogg and Topless Women. 
and it was oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah, the, yeah. the quality of the the grind was just put to one side and it all became yeah, about yeah, Snoop Dogg yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean it was yeah, really well, weird Snoop Dogg and yeah it's soft soft porn <laughs> yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent not not the best part of Channel U um but I do like it makes so much sense to me it was the same for me like that's how I came across grime and I used to be probably about the same age like just you know sat in front of the tv just like listening to all these bars and how people were spitting and just being completely mind blown but what was cool about channel u is that you know sometimes i see like friends of mine on channel u and it's like they're on tv because you could make these low budget videos and you could do things just in your local area and submit it to channel u and kind of be part of that community and now like we have avenues like SBTV and Linkart, which are so fundamental to the growth of drill, but also a number of different rap genres, and not just in the UK, but all over the world. I'm curious to know whether you think that there is something significant about social media platforms for rappers. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a there's a huge connection between social media platforms and like and the discovery of a new genre. Like for example, yesterday I was watching a, a Miss Freestyle I think one of them that actually got him like got him really noticed by the audience uh, and he was on SBTV so uh, rest in peace Jamal Edwards for like the contribution that he gave to uh, to this culture and like I think it's fundamental like every genre if you if you notice in the UK every genre is connected to our social media platform like if if we if we think about grime SBTV and uh, Grime Daily were actually mm. the two huge platforms that actually helped Grime develop. And then LinkUp came in, LinkUp TV came in later on. But like um, now we have like Mixtape Madness, for example, that is hugely connected to the drill scene. Um, Grime Daily is actually doing this the same thing with drill uh, because obviously like Grime Daily is so huge as a platform that now is incorporating uh, other different subgenres of of the culture uh, but like i think is really is really connected to that because like it's social media so people actually interact by you know listening to those um, those music like that music and also like connect um interact as i said so yeah i think is is really fundamental like is music is is connected to that Mm. There's, there's so much in what you've just said I mean first of all to echo I mean the the loss of Jamal Edwards was shocking uh, and a massive loss to the world um, and I think FBTV has been such an incredible platform but also the diversity of artists that they had you know it wasn't just grime or now just drill it was you know different vocalists like everything in my opinion anyway like some of the best examples of grime have come through FBTV and and we would only have that if if we because we had Jamal who was interested in platforming artists who yeah, weren't exactly. signed or artists who Sh- weren't known yet, you know? Showcasing them, yeah, showcase their talent. Yeah, yeah. It's 100%. fundamental. And I think before, even before that, um, as I was saying before, um the same thing was done by Risky Roads. But Risky Roads was doing it like before social media. Uh, platforms so basically like what happened is like after the discover of uh, social media um people started to do what risky roads was doing with the dvds 
on the social media platforms. So like instead of like buying the DVD and watching the same thing over and over, and we're all waiting for the new content to come out and to buy it. Uh, basically, like you could actually access it on the internet and it was easier that way. So then even people that didn't have like that 10, 10 pounds to buy the DVD at the time could actually watch it from YouTube. So that was, that was the evolution. This, this is a really interesting point though as well. And, and one of the things that, uh, I think is worth thinking about in terms of like, and you've mentioned the interaction element, but interaction seems to me, again, so fundamental to rap because we think back yes. to things like sharing mixtapes or CDs or whatever, and it was kind of like a pass along, right? And now yeah. we still have that, that pass along idea, but it's just done online, um, which also yes. makes it cheaper and more accessible. Um, yes. But it, it's an interesting way in which that interaction is not just about social media. It's so inherent to rap music more generally as well, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it's like, it's that sense of community that we, we had on Channel U as well because people were interacting with the, with the SMSs as well. And it's the same thing that is happening underneath every video on YouTube. If you, if you see people are talking and, you know, chatting and going back and forth and like saying whatever they think about that song or whatever they think about life in general so there's that element of like community that is never been lost on the other hand though um and obviously my work is primarily around drill and seeing that drill in particular is is shut down and removed from spaces like youtube and social yeah. media generally like we've had more than 500 drill videos taken off off youtube and i'm yeah. wondering what your your views are on that kind of censorship yeah because like honestly i feel like you can't really brush uh, the issue under the carpet as if like oh i just take the video off and then that's it because it's still it, it, it like drill is a symptom of a, of a bigger problem it's a symptom of it it's not it's not it's not blameable it's not blameable like i don't blame these guys or these boys these young boys actually uh, doing this type of general because they're representing the reality they live in and if you if like if the authorities feel like um the best thing to do is to take the videos off okay they might think it they might think that they're doing their job but they're not actually doing their job because who is ruling us supposed to take responsibility of like what is happening and why these people are talking about this situation and, and um and approach it in in the best way so censorship never, never helped, to be honest, because like, okay, if I'm crossing, if I'm crossing the highway right now and I'm blindfolded, that doesn't mean that there's no, there's no danger. You get what I mean? Mm. It's just because I'm blindfolded, I, I can't see the danger, but the danger is there still. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think censorship is actually, is not, is not really, is not really the thing that needs to be done. Because at the end of the day, music is culture. Culture is way of live is a way of living. So, if you think about it, these people are talking about the way they live. And it's also like if we're thinking about the history of rap, criminalization has always been and censorship has been a, a massive part of it. Actually, last night I was reading something about um, the stuff that Public Enemy went through when they were trying to get yeah. things out and how they were being shut down. So it's something that's always again been inherent to rap and it's so 
paradoxical in a way that on the one hand, people that are in the scene or people that respect rap can see it as something that's so community-based. And on the other is this completely uh, misunderstood attack uh, yeah. that dismantles this element of community, which is surely one of the biggest strengths of rap. Do you know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I really agree about that. And I think because authorities really fear about, like they have a fear about like um, the, the potential of like this genre in general, because like uh, it's really community-based and like is is showing reality to people that might not be from strictly from that type of you know background and like what is going to happen that young people that are not really from a certain background might see what is really going on and maybe these people might rebel against the system that's what the authorities don't really want if mm. you think about it the authorities want like control and to be able to keep um, the people in a certain state and with this type of music that is saying the truth for what it is with like rawness the problem is that the young generations might might feel like they they, they want to rebel because they they see like a problem in terms but, of in terms of that you've mentioned um kind of people who are not necessarily from the same background or not necessarily involved in the scene in a certain way and i'm wondering whether you've ever had any criticism for being an Italian using grime because as I say like some people can be very protective around the specifics of where the genre comes from um, um to be honest no to be honest no um I think they most see they see me more as a novelty like something really new um I got really embraced by the culture I had the chance to meet like the godfather of it uh, is it yeah, yeah, I had the chance to meet Wiley. Um, How was uh, that? It was, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because it was really good. But at the same time, it was scary. <laughs> because, like, I feel like, oh, gosh, like, I'm the only Italian here. I don't even know if they really understand how big this is. Um, and it was, it was like a mix of, a mix of emotions, if you get what I mean. Basically, what happened was that I got contacted by uh, this guy that was, um, at the time he was, um, it's not even that he was, he's still doing like an international grime type of platform. I don't know if you heard about it, international grime. What's the platform? Uh, it's called International Grime. Oh, no, I don't know it. Okay, so he's building up this platform and he's trying to connect all the like international artists that, does, that do grime from all the different places. And then he, got, he discovered me and he really liked what I was doing. And after, after like a couple of years, um, last year, he decided to uh, call all the international grammar artists that he knows that live in the UK. And we went to studio, into Wiley studio, and we did like a set. <gasps> really, really good. Really good, I say. At the Igloo studios in uh, mm -hmm. East London. So we went there, uh, Wiley was there, uh, we did some freestyles, then of course we did like a grind set, now like we have like a connection. And yeah, it was, it was really good. It was really, really good, really good. But at the same time, as I said, I was scared because like Uncle Mez was there, so many big names, like Cadell was there. It was like, I was like, I'm surrounded by like legends and like, who am I? <laughs> 
we're just an Italian rapper that is trying to do something. And yeah, like it was really good. It was really good. I'm not gonna lie. I bet I would be sweating. I would yeah. not be able to do that. Amazing though. C4, J2K, Wiley, Cadell. Uh, oh yeah, uh, DWE. After that day, I felt like, you know what? I'm definitely gonna do this like more and more. So yeah. I think I think it's really nice to hear it as well because there's a lot of misconceptions around particularly grime or drill or whatever being very like competitive and not letting other people in and I just don't think it's like that at all and this seems like an example that it's about building each other up surely Um, yeah I think I think the competition is part of it like if if you if you decide to spit bars on the mic you have to bear in mind that it's going to be a competitive Mm. you know type of um, setting so is is as you said it's more about like building ourselves up even though i want to top at what i do and you want to top at what you do as well so obviously we're going to compete but, but the, I, it's, it's a fair competition but also it's only because artists are trying to build their skill and then bouncing off each other that they both get more skilled do you know what i mean exactly. Exactly. So the so, competition so, you know, actually elevates people rather than exactly. it being a shutdown. Um, embraced by everyone. Like everyone was asking me after spitting my bars, we're like, "Yo, like that was sick. What language is that?" I was, I was like, gonna say, Italian. "Did you do it in Italian? Amazing." Yeah, yeah, it was the easy Italian with a bit of English. Like I said, like seventy thirty. You know what? I've got to tell you something. I wrote yeah. my first verse in Italian. Yeah. It was something more than terrible. The prepositions, I can't deal with the prepositions. I was like, no, the grammar is like too difficult for me to mess with. The grammar in Italian can be a bit tricky, I'm not gonna lie. Super hard, like really, really hard. And I do think it's like it's different because and it's probably just because my commander, the language is not good enough, but it's much harder for me to shape it and drop certain things while still making it make sense. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. People are asking me the same thing. Why don't you rap in English? Even though English is, is easier than Italian, I find myself in the same type of situation where like, I'm trying to express myself, but I can't say it in a proper way because I don't have the vocabulary to actually mm. say it the way it should be said. So I find myself maybe saying something that is, it takes me like, it should take me like three words to say it. Maybe I'm using like a full sentence or like six or seven words to say the same thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I totally understand that. That makes me feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, I think it's important to experiment. And I think there's something very important about having different languages in rap as well. Um, but I need to, to work on that a little bit because it, it didn't go so yeah, well I think like practice makes perfect so like you yeah you're in the right path the other thing I was, I was wanting to to talk to you about is that you sent me a message a while ago about a piece of research that you were doing on black representation yeah. I I can't remember whether it was specifically rappers or whether it was artists in general but in the Italian Basically, music like, industry it was rappers like I say artists in general but then he, he ended up being more specific into the urban uh, music scene so rap, R&B, and it was really interesting though, because then like the end, the end results of it, like actually confirmed my, my thesis. Like, yes, there is a problem in Italy. Um, for people that maybe are listening now, basically like my study was related to um, the fact, like I was asking the question if there was a bit of racism within the Italian urban music scene 
And yes, the results of it actually uh, confirmed that, even though maybe the study was a bit biased because like um, I didn't have like the tools to actually make it unbiased because I needed maybe more time and maybe I needed more like more data and like to be able to actually like get like a huge amount of data and then analyze it. But still, uh, for this small research that I made, it still confirmed my thesis. Like, yes, there is a problem of representation within like media in general, and more specific in the Italian music scene, even though now, uh, urban music scene, even though now I can see some differences. Like there are some artists that are from African background and, you know, trying to get to that stage of like, no, like being noticed and like, you know, signing deals with like major labels and like becoming huge artists. But I'm afraid it's just like a repercussion of Black Lives Matter. So after Black Lives Matter, now I can see some changes within the scene because like, I feel like Italy, Italy doesn't want to feel behind. Italy wants to look a bit more progressive. So um, there are some, some people that now actually like, you know, getting their name out there. And it's, it's nice to see it, but I hope they're not just gonna be, I hope this is not gonna be just a tokenism of like, oh, let's just throw a, a, few, a few people there just to see that, oh, we are colored as well. And then just get back to our old ways, if you get what I mean. I do. Where do you think that the, um problem i mean this is kind of a, a big question and uh, i'm trying to think about how to ask it more precisely but like, where do you think that the main problems are in italy the main the main problem is that at the end of the day like we all have to like we all really have to realize that like there was a big there was a big um abuse on uh the african descendants if you get what i mean like people from africa actually had a huge impact from slavery, a huge impact from like uh, colonialism and stuff. We still have the repercussions of it today. And this is actually the debate. So the fact is that every time that Africans are trying to get uh, recognized or like trying to get the same type of like treatment that maybe uh, other people from other like, uh, let's say ethnicity have, then it becomes a problem, then it needs to be blocked somehow, or uh, it needs to be, yeah, blocked somehow. And it's something that needs to be noticed. To have these like uncomfortable, um, you know, um, dialogues and like, um, yeah, uncomfortable dialogues to, 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 to acknowledge that. Mm. I mean, it, it seems to me that the, the music industry is potentially changing, but primarily it's owned by rich white men. And yeah. obviously that's not conducive to having uh, like if, a more if eclectic... White men, if these rich, rich white men see, like, you know, a black, the black community as exploitable... Exactly. It, we're never gonna go like, we're never gonna see something different about it because yeah. like let's say tomorrow i signed a deal where i got like millions but i'm gonna be maybe that one zero no it's zero dot one percent of like black men that made it 
but my community might still, you know, feel like this, the repercussions of like racism and and violence and like all the things that we all already know. So like, what 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 really changes? Like, okay, Stormzy is rich, okay, but what about the people in East London that still live in the same situation, that still killing each other? And you get what I mean? Or down south, where he actually comes from. So mm. yes, man, men like Stormzy actually doing something for the youth. And I really, really appreciate that. We all appreciate that, but we can't really turn a blind eye and be like, oh, okay, because he made it, because he's successful, things are changing. Things are not changing. It's just, it's just that, that one example of like success. We need to see more, it needs to be like more common, but on a like on a basic level, if you get what I mean, like we need to see more more youth going to the uni and get graduated and finding a job. You need to see less violence in the streets. You need to see like more stuff like that. Obviously, we all want to be billionaires, but like not all of us can be billionaires. But we need we need we need workers. We need bankers. We need like bus drivers. We need you know. I'm not I don't even need to be a billionaire but I would like to not worry about my rent do you know but I think that's the thing though is that it's not even like it's sometimes it, it can seem a little bit like that you have to aim really really high when actually it's like how yeah. can you even aim high if you can't even cover your bases do you know what Thank I mean you like very much. because that, that's, that's the point the, like how many people out there can't even cover the basics and then like they have to uh, get into certain ways to actually get things done Exactly. Is is a lot. There's a lot of people like that, and when when you get to that point, then you realize that there's a problem that needs to be needs to be addressed by someone. A hundred. With with this research, then, do you have any kind of intentions of following it up, or are you thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like the thing is, like I wanted to use the research and some other things that I've done, like uh, there's a presentation that I've done back in Italy to actually like go to Italy and like propose it to like um, major labels to make them understand, to make, like I need to find a way to do it because obviously like it's not, it's not like here, it's not like in the UK where I can actually speak with you and you'll be like, oh, I know someone in the, in Sony, let me just speak to him. And then they actually gonna give me a chance to speak and talk. It's not like that. Italy is different. You've been in Italy before. It is about whom you know. And like, even if you know the person, that person might think like, oh, if if it doesn't make money, it doesn't make sense to me. You forget what I mean? So I don't know. But my idea was to go to Italy and propose myself as an artist, a different artist that actually is going to address this type of situation, this type of topics in the music to, you know, empower the community and create a community-based type of, you know, um, engagement. Because at the end of the day, like, yes, um, as I said, I saw some rappers in Italy actually doing it, but the problem with we Afro descendants in Italy is like, we are not really unite, but why? Because we don't really know where we're coming from and where we're going. So if we acknowledge the fact that we have these problems and where we're coming from and where we, what what is the direction, we can create like our community-based type of music. And we can do it exactly like France, exactly like here in the UK, exactly like every, in every other country. Like create like 
a community of like black people that listen to black music in Italy and that go people that go to the concerts actually and yeah and create something like a, a real fan base because if you go on grind daily right now I can guarantee to you that there's a huge 50-50 if you put like in if you analyze like the people the subscribers it's going to be like 50-50 I say you mean like Maybe in terms of the demographic the demographics exactly it's going to be 50-50 50 like white like you know British and the other other 50 is going to be like from you know people from different background like Afro descendants and Asians and in Caribbean, if you get what I mean. But yeah, it's going to be 50-50. But if you go to Italy and you see who's actually listening to rap today, I say like it's 80-20. It's 80% white Italians and 20% uh, the rest. And I feel like, okay, but how come that this is possible? If this is like, this music is is from, is black music in, in the first place. And, but like, the, the, the Afro descendants that live in Italy are not interested into listening to Italian rap because they don't feel represented. Interesting. Not, it wasn't up till maybe now these like like let's say five to ten years, but like I was one of the first people actually going to TV back in Italy with rap, and at the time, like, do you know how many people? How many? young kids that now they do music they saw me on tv and they decided to do music because they saw me on tv and i got like bare messages of those people telling me like yo if it wasn't for you probably i wouldn't have started doing music now because i saw you i felt like inspired i felt like oh i can do it as well and people maybe that are more successful than me now but you know it makes me think because uh, when I started, like black people weren't really interested about like listening to another black guy rapping in Italian, you know, in Italy. They felt like, nah, mate, like listen to Fifty Cent. <laughs> if you get what I mean. So, so yeah, like I feel like now there's there's a need of like creating like a society, basically, like you know, a big huge group of like black listeners, black, you know. Uh, people that are really involved into the culture create like a culture, a black Italian culture. So then we can build up on that. Yeah, sorry. The, the only the only thing I would say is that this is a complicated articulation, but basically there's a lot of this kind of idea of the 80-20 makes sense because actually they're saying the same thing in the UK and in the US. And I'm talking mostly in the context of drill, for example, they're saying yeah. that the predominant listeners to drill are white middle-class teenagers however yeah. I think we have to be a little bit careful of this idea for a few reasons number one what you're saying about like kind of black created black owned black enjoyed music is important in of itself right and yeah. I think that we kind of this the very idea of that is so threatening it's not really permitted right and I think that's why we get this idea that it's the white middle classes who are who are listening to certain things more it's like I don't even think number one I'm not sure it is necessarily true and mm -hmm. secondly that might be because they're like we were talking about in terms of the music industry and who's being who's getting deals or who is being platformed and what they have to do in order to fit this this mold 
created mm-hmm. by rich white men in music industries in order to sell it to white Thank middle class boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. You know what I mean? So I think it's like, I totally hear what you're saying. I think we have to be like really careful about maybe I'm I'm worried about legitimizing the the idea that it is white listeners and then also deconstructing why that even matters do you know what I mean it's like it's such a area it doesn't really matter but at the same time I feel like when I started doing music as I said like I couldn't see like I couldn't see black people doing mm. it and I couldn't see black people actually listening to it like I'll go and perform and like let's say 100 people were there and maybe there will be like one black guy. But see, this is this is the thing though, because actually that comes back to things like Form 696 in the UK, which was yeah. used to shut down black artists, predominantly rappers and DJs. And also some of these forms, okay, so to contextualize it for listeners, this was a form that has now been scrapped because it was found to be explicitly racist. And the form yes, would be- because it was be, like racially profiling and like- Yeah. Not like, black people to actually enjoy their music because exactly like, they were connecting i know about that form they were connecting exactly. you know black artists into like gang violence and yeah. gang culture and to avoid them to to perform but, but they were shows. even like some some areas were saying that you have to uh describe the ethnicity or the demographic of the audience so it would make sense to say like mm-hmm. okay i'm not i'm not seeing crowds of black people being able to enjoy black music for example because of forms like this and this is why to come back to my point that we have to be like start really digging into these ideas that kind of elevate white listenership in a way when it's actually like if that is the case there's a reason and it's not I don't think it's necessarily because black communities don't want to do that it might be because they can't like it's not safe enough to do it or that there are different you know what I mean that's a fair point yeah because like when I watch, when I used to watch like the old, the old DVDs or even like the videos like of Fleur Teddy, for example, like performing on stage or like Eskimo dance and stuff. If you see the crowd, it was a mixed crowd. It was a really mixed crowd at the time. All people enjoying it. I feel like, wow, I wish I could do that in Italy. But I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe it's my mindset that is, is totally different from what actually is the reality. It could be because at the end of the day, I think mindsets are really impacted by the way you grow up and where you grew up. So that might have a big influence on me. Um, I'm not gonna lie, but yeah, it's, def- it's definitely something that I wanted to see in Italy, and like mm. hopefully we're gonna see. Vedremo, might be a while. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely a. Uh, uh... A it's long a way to go, one, I think. No. It is a tricky it's one. one. No. But I, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that, um, or I totally hear you. Like, I think that it's, I think that, that Italy is, is a really, really complicated context, um, which I could talk about for days and days and days, but I will spare yeah, you my run. We, we should do another another interview about that. <laughs> yeah, just, just on Italy. I mean, it would be, because okay. it's also like, I think, like, look, you're getting me started. I could go on for hours and hours of it because it's a very very complicated context because of the yeah. just just quickly i need to say this like, obviously i'm like busting get it out i think italy <laughs> is a really um especially for people that are not italian or, or haven't been or don't know the context 
there's a lot of things going on like the north south divide i think oh, in a bit of south is a very very complicated thing and has oh, had repercussion then you Absolutely. have the kind of the italian diaspora and the 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 history of italian being discriminated against including in the uk but then yes. at the same time you have the the and you and i you and my family are from the same province in italy which has yeah. got this terrible fascist history you know, and the country has a, a terrible fascist history. Fascist history. So, yeah, like, and, and then if you go back and you see, like, the roots of Italian, the Italian population, they're not actually from the place. They, you know, they're not actually from the place because, like, if you go back, you can see a bit of Moors, the Arabs actually came in, and then the Spanish, the Spanish came in, and then the Northern, you know, uh, the Northerners came in from Germany, and there's a bit of France in the middle. So... It's even, I mean, thinking about things like on the one hand, like Italy had this huge, I really do believe a huge problem with racism, oh, yeah. but from a people that have also experienced elements of that themselves. So it's like, what yeah, is exactly. going on? This is so complicated. Like we need to unpick that. And this kind of one of the problems I think, as we've talked about, is this kind of the, the insular nature of italian culture not necessarily yeah. in the cities so much but in rural areas it's very family within family friend within friend and yeah, it's very hard it's to, very to break that yeah. and you yeah. know it, it's it's uh okay i'll stop because otherwise no i'm just gonna say one more thing you already know this but <laughs> it's like i think when i i had been more or less living in one place for two years i was always a straniera like because you cannot but, or the, the foreigner, you cannot um, break into such an entrenched community. And this has repercussions on things like racism, because if yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, staying... This has a repercussion on so many things, like mm. work-wise. Yeah, it's been annoying. Sorry, I do love my country, but not all the time. Sometimes it <laughs> pisses me off. Um, okay, so it is time for what's these three, the variation of the question that I ask every guest. Um, which is kind of top three, whatever, vegetables or... My question to you, Blackson, is what are the three things that inspire you most to write? So if I think about myself, I primarily write from anger. That's like the number one thing that will motivate me. Long journeys. So if I've got like a long train, my mind oh, yeah. gets blowing, me although too. it's always really bad, but it just gets me in the mood. Um, and probably some other depressing thing. That's kind of like what inspires me the most. But how about you? What makes you write? Okay, so the long journey one, hundred percent. Like long journeys, are actually, like my like, I, I wish I could like travel all my life to actually be able to write, travel, and then go to studio. <laughs> what is that um, about though? Like, why is that? I think I think because you have more time for yourself to think, mm. to meditate. And then, like the fact that you're actually traveling and you see in like different different places, mm. thinking opens like some chakras in your mind. You feel like, oh, okay, so now it's my time to, you know, to be more introspective. I think is that's the reason why. And also, I say films, but like not any any type of film, but like certain certain film, like true, like those films that are made based on true stories or dramas or stuff like that. There's always that maybe like a phrase or like a sentence or something that really like sparks my, you know, my imagination. And then from that, I might be writing a song about it. 
so films a lot and also I say life but I think it sounds a bit lame but life in general because like nowadays like at the time when I was younger I used to write every now and then like you know I'll just sit down and be like okay now I'm gonna write a song and I sit down and write like 16 bars or maybe like a full song or whatever but now it's more like during my day there are certain things that actually spark my imagination or spark my you know my creativity and I just have to you know put a note aside so like I write every day but there are small sentences that then I put together when I want to make a song mm. so I say life because like I might be having a conversation with you you say something that is really inspiring I write it down then that becomes mine and I use it in the song well now so, I feel under yeah. pressure because I haven't seen you write anything down so I don't think I've been in <laughs> Uh-oh. it's just because we had this conversation going on but yeah probably like i'm making notes in my mind okay i hope so i'll, I'll keep my yeah, eye out for that and um, blackson <laughs> thank you so much for joining us can you just tell everyone uh, where they can find out more about you i know you've got a website and your whatever social medias you want yeah, to post. so i've got a website called um blacksongrime.co.uk so it's www.blacksongrime.co.uk uk. you can find all my information is there uh, my socials are all at call me blackson and on spotify you can find my music uh, but just you know uh, type in blackson uh, you can find my videos as well on youtube and my instagram is at call me blackson so thank you very much for having me it was really really nice no problem at all and your instagram as well has lots of very very cute videos of your son as well oh yeah 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 warms my heart i'm trying to incorporate that too like because um i think fatherhood is actually another another piece of like life that needs to be incorporated into music because i'm a changed man since i became a dad because before i was more like a boy but now i feel i feel how can I say? It's not even, it's not the pressure, but I feel the importance of like my role now. Mm. So it's actually changing the way I see my music and the way I'm going to create my music from now on. So, so yeah, you're going to expect some new things soon. Exciting. And whilst you are going to follow Blackson and to keep up to date with his music, you can follow me at Banda Canton, that's W-A-N-D-A. And my website is www www.vandercanton.co.uk um blackson thank you very much for being here this has been three ain't a crowd and we will see you next time nice one